Hello, I'm Will Mountford. Welcome to ResearchPod. The diagnosis, management, and survivability of prostate cancer has changed dramatically since the first characterization of androgen receptors in the late 1960s. Today, depending on the patient's diagnosis, clinicians may have multiple treatment options including chemotherapy, refined hormonal therapies, radiotherapies, surgery, and others. Dr. Shakir Mutavelic, Chief Medical Officer at Curium, has been working with patients for over 20 years. He has witnessed tremendous progress in cancer treatment options and the increased survival rate that accompanies them. He has seen what those innovations in medicine mean in terms of real human life. Today we're talking with him about an investigational treatment for metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer in development at Curium, a world leader in nuclear medicine. This investigational therapy could become an important tool for clinicians and their patients when treating prostate cancer. And joining me to discuss his work from Curium Pharma is Dr. Shakir Mutavelic. Dr. Shakir, hello. 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 Nice to meet you. Thanks very much for your time today. Could you tell us a bit about yourself, some of your background, your professional history, and what's led you to your work in radiopharmaceuticals? So thank you, Will. I'm a medical doctor and pharmacologist by background with over 25 years of professional experience in pharmaceutical industry and more than 20 years in oncology. I've joined Curium as Chief Medical Officer in late 2021, which is a great honor for me to join Curium, uh, the world's leading nuclear medicine company that is redefining the experience of cancer by improving the way cancer is diagnosed and treated. It's a really very exciting time for nuclear medicine and oncology in particular, and we at Curium are committed to continuous innovation, research and development. We are focused on uh, basically what is most important, namely improving the life of patients as well as their families. And I'm proud to be part of the company that is making that difference, as well as helping and supporting the healthcare professionals, of course, in their diagnostics and treatment efforts every day. Well, on that note of treatment, the speciality that you have and that we're talking about today is in radiopharmaceuticals. Uh, if you could give us maybe a brief history of the treatment landscape for prostate cancer and what has led to the development of radiopharmaceuticals as an option that we're exploring today. Oh, with pleasure. Years ago, the prostate cancer diagnosis, as well as treatment uh, based on this diagnosis, was based on surgery mostly, and uh, it was often a time of little complications. Over the time, the treatment of prostate cancer evolved to systemic chemotherapy or radiation approaches in some cases. Then the field then progressed using targeted hormone therapy. This hormone therapy would cut off the supply of testosterone to the cancer. Today, uh, we have different precision therapy modalities. One of those is radiopharmaceuticals. And we at Curium are in this space as being expert in nuclear medicine and living our vision, basically, to redefine the experience of cancer through our trusted legacy in nuclear medicine. The role of radiopharmaceuticals is the recent one in the last five to seven years as a part of precision therapies. And in short, very simply described targeting specific receptors at the surface of uh, cancer cells by so-called ligands, 
and those ligands are coupled through the different Rigi isotopes. And uh, the most prominent one uh, recently is the tissue 177, and as, as a radio from a suitable conjugate reaches the receptor, is docking to the receptor at the surface of the cancer cell. And the radioisotope with the directed radiotherapy at the level of cancer cell, internalizing the cancer cell and destroying the cancer cell. What would the typical patient journey, as much as there is any one typical patient journey, look like if they were suspecting that they were ill, if they wanted to come to a doctor, get their opinion, and wound up being diagnosed with prostate cancer and especially metastatic disease? That's a great question. If I would take the patient first time presented with uh, suspicious on prostate cancer, those are the patients who are getting the PSA elevated. PSA is prostate-specific antigen, and uh, that's seen by physician, of course, and uh, the red alert is getting there if the PSA is elevated, and uh, this physician could be primary care physician, but also urologists or medical oncologists, depending at what stage and level the patient was presented to the physician. Mm-hmm. Um, as the patient uh, having the elevated PSA, which has not said it's suspicious to the uh, cancer and may not be directly related in some certain cases, the next step is to do the so-called diagnostic imaging study to basically try to see whether something is happening in, in, in the prostate or there is indication for doing the biopsy of the prostate. If it is confirmed by a biopsy that this is a prostate cancer, then depending on stage of the prostate cancer, the patient will be classified either as hormone-sensitive or so-called castration-resistant prostate cancer patient. The patients are treated at the beginning with the hormone therapy, so those are the testosterone-suppressing medications hormone therapies, agents, or with a targeted radiation therapy, or depending on stage of disease, simple observation to the next examination of uh, PSA, if it is still elevated or it has been normalized. As the disease potentially is progressing, the PSA can rise again, and then potentially the second hormone therapy, such as abetterone or insulutamide, given. And if the PSA again raising, Again, the imaging studies and the imaging agents are used for those imaging studies are done. And if the lesion is seen outside of prostate, then it may be considered as metastatic and uh, uh, then being treated as uh, metastatic uh, prostate cancer. So there are different stages of uh, hormone-sensitive prostate cancer, as well as the stages of uh, orchestration-resistant, which in both cases could be non-metastatic and metastatic. At that metastatic stage, I understand that is when the eclipse trial that we're talking about today comes into play. So in terms of just an overall view of what is involved in that trial and the overview of that, and we can explore some of the details in a moment. This is our phase three confirmatory study of Lutetium 177 PCMIT in metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer patients who are so-called chemotherapy-naive, so have not been treated with the chemotherapy in gestation-resistant prostate cancer setting. This is a multi-center, randomized, open-label study, and we're conducting this study in the U.S. as well as uh, in Europe. Mm-hmm. It's still the product under investigation, 
has not been approved by any regulatory body. As I said, it's in a confirmatory phase three clinical development. The study is, of course, done by partnership between oncologists slash urologists as well as nuclear medicine physicians at different uh, clinical trial sites in the US and Europe. There are different criteria for patient eligibility, but uh, I would like to emphasize here that uh, this metastatic castration resistant patients cannot have uh, had any treatment with the second androgen axis uh, receptor targeted treatment or to be treated with a chemotherapy. From the tetrial design, just in a short and the endpoints, this is, a, as I said, multicenter open label randomized study in a two to one treatment ratio. That means that the patients have a higher possibility to be randomized in the treatment arm as well as a control arm. Um, there is also opportunity if the patient is randomized in the control arm that the patient, if progress and when progress at the control, has an opportunity if it's uh, agreed to go for it, namely to cross over, namely to be treated mm-hmm. with the uh, Fission 177 PSMA-INT in a crossover manner. And uh, I mentioned the term confirmatory phase three study. That means that this study will prove at the end of the study the product to be effective and safe for treatment of patients in a, a clinical setting, both in the US and Europe. Now, just to compare some abbreviations, we discussed PSA earlier, and PSMA is a target in the trial designed for Eclipse. So could you remind me and everyone listening at home how those two are different and why PSMA is of value in the Eclipse trial design? Yeah, the, this is a very good question um, and uh, frequently asked, obviously. Uh, the PSMA abbreviation means prostate-specific membrane antigen, which is present at the surface of the prostate cancer cells. And this is very valuable, the treatment target. Just to remind the, us and all of us in the audience, the percentage of men expressing the PSMA prostate-specific membrane antigen in metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer is about 85%, mm-hmm. so very high number. How this uh, uh, radiopharmaceutical radioligand therapy PSMA-directed compound works? As I mentioned, in general, the radioligand therapy works well. Ligands, which could be peptides, uh, antibodies, nanoantibodies, those uh, uh, ligands are binding to the PSMA, the prostate-specific membrane antigen. When they bind, the compounds are carrying form of conjugate, the radioisotope for the directed radiotherapy at the cancer cell level, and uh, docking of ligand to the PSMA, enabling the radioisotope to be taken up by the cancer cell and bring the radioactive agent for directed radiotherapy at the cell level to destroy the DNA of the cell and kill this cancer cell. Mm. So there is a limited time, the radioactive agent due to the half-life of radioactive agent, this limited time of radioactive agent in the body and uh, is specific to the cells expressing the PSMA and uh, basically the collateral damage to the other cells is limited unlike some other treatments like chemotherapy or or other treatments. Now, as a question that's probably going to cross any patient's mind when they are 
considering either entering the trial or you know talking about prostate cancer is the idea of being injected with something radioactive is well frankly quite a scary one so in terms of how safe and effective and targeted the lutetium based treatment is why and how is it better than you know going for radiotherapy or chemotherapy or targeted therapy as you know each of those individually when it seems to combine ideally the best parts of all of them together so the answer is very simple at the doses of the radioactive isotope coupled to the ligand is uh, safe as being directed to the cancer cell at the doses and the half-life of the radioisotope, which is uh, basically very much comparable to external beam radiation. That means the radiation in uh, any other uh, treatment of the cancers, as well as in, in certain types of uh, prostate cancer. Uh, that's very well known radiation therapy, which because it's external one. The interesting point of directed radioligand therapy is specificity to the specific receptor at the cancer cell surface, as well as a safe dose of the radioisotope coupled and reaching the cancer cell itself with a limited activity at the receptors outside of the cancer cell or in this case, prostate cancer itself. It's also very well tolerated and has been proven being very well tolerated in the earlier stages of clinical development, which led and lead not only this compound in the CLIP study, but any other radioligand therapy compound into the confirmatory phase three study for the purpose of proving the efficacy and safety for the purpose of uh, getting it approved by regulatory authorities and also used broadly at any community level and hospitals treating the prostate cancer in this case. If there are any clinicians listening to this who want to know more about engaging in the trial, being a participant clinic, or if there's any patient out there who thinks that they might be a candidate for this, like you say, if they haven't had that second ARAT therapy and they want to explore being part of this trial with their doctor, why is Eclipse the right trial for them? Why does it come at the right time? And where can they find out more? So Eclipse study is actively enrolling patients. So if there are the clinicians who are listening and want to learn more about the study, there is a healthcare professionals website where they can get some information on the trial itself, on clinical trial sites involved, as well as eligibility criteria for patients. You can find it under eclipseclinicaltrial.org. There is also a patient uh, website available where there is an initial screening questionnaire available. And uh, if patients qualify through that initial screener, they will be contacted by medical professionals, not company ones, but those from the clinical trials site for the evaluation. So this patient website could be found under the curiumeclipsetrial.org. And of course, as any other pharmaceutical company, the Eclipse study is uh, also placed at the clinicaltrial.gov, where the description of the study, as well as uh, inclusion and exclusion criteria, could be found, as well as a list of uh, clinical trial sites involved. Dr. Mitovelic, thank you so much for your time, and uh, look forward to hopefully hearing more about the success of this trial soon. Thank you very much and looking forward to meeting you next time with the results of the study.